It felt like my soul had been someplace else for a really, really long time. I entered into the eye of the storm of grief that I had been carrying. I, I began to cry. The littlest thing would just send me into an anxiety spiral that, like, it's just one little thing. Why is this little thing ruining my day? Elicinia is a unique psilocybin retreat based in Mexico with a focus on meditation, neuroscience, and brain health. I had zero doubt that this was something that I was going to go through and actually do. That self-compassion sort of had trickled into every little part of my life. I hadn't laughed that hard in so long. The profoundness with which I experienced like reality, the magnitude of the beauty was just completely overwhelming. Eliza, thank you so much for coming to the show. It's so wonderful to see you again. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you decided to come to Ellicinia? Sure. I'm excited to be here and to share my story. I'll be 59 in a couple of weeks. I live a, I would say, relatively active lifestyle. I like to try to stay fit. You know, we have three children all out of the house now, but we like to travel and we have a summer place that we love to come and relax at and where I'm at right now. I got into looking into this retreat because I deal with chronic pain. And it started about 10 to 12 years ago. I've had migraines my whole life since I was a teenager. And they've just gotten worse over the years. My head always hurts. And then I have a lot of tension in my shoulders and up through my neck and head. And then I'll get the migraines on top of that. And it coincided with me going through, in hindsight, looking back with perimenopause. But over the last 10 to 12 years, you name the doctor or the procedure, I've done it. I mean, I've seen multiple neurologists and chiros and acupuncturists, physical therapy, massage therapy, all different other kind of minor like surgical or like shots and nothing has worked. So it's been frustrating and kind of just adds all to the anxiety. And then I definitely correlate my stress level with my pain level. More stress I'm under, the higher my pain is. About two years ago, I looked into this program at Curable Health and it's brain reprocessing therapy. And what their concept is, if you change your thought process, it can help change the neuroplasticity in your brain. And what they think is that my brain is just stuck in that fight or flight system. So that's why my shoulders are constantly tense. And my body doesn't know how to get out of it because my brain is just stuck in this pathway. So I did this three-month program and found it to be very helpful, but it's difficult to be consistent on constantly thinking, trying to keep those negative thoughts out and just trying to have the positive thoughts. So I've tried meditation. I see a therapist. I've seen one off and on for over the last 20 years. I dealt with a lot of small T trauma, but I talked to someone and they said, trauma is trauma. Doesn't matter what it was. But I grew up in a household with 
I have five siblings. My father was an alcoholic, pretty much can't, couldn't hold the job down. My mother worked as a school teacher, pretty much supported the eight of us for my entire childhood. But she was a very angry woman. I think she resented having to do that. I was number five out of six. I felt like I was never loved. And I felt like not a whole lot of attention was paid to me. I think my mother was just too busy trying to stay afloat, keeping the family going. And my dad, he was there, but physically there, but not mentally or emotionally. He was never there. So I think that has definitely played into my pain. And then there were just other things throughout the years that have happened. So I saw the Michael Pollan Netflix docuseries last fall and found it absolutely fascinating. And then I think it was 60 Minutes did a special on MDMA with veterans with PTSD. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if the psychedelics would help my chronic pain. So, you know, I did the deep dive on the internet into the rabbit hole of psychedelics and started researching. And, you know, unfortunately, because the federal government had turned them into a schedule one drug, any studies were stopped on it. So there's not a lot of studies out there, but they're working on it now. But there's like a whole underworld on psychedelics. So I started researching that and then decided, I think I'm ready for a retreat. And so I started looking at psilocybin retreats and I thought psilocybin would be the best psychedelic for me to try. But I went to, I think it was retreatguru.com and there was a bunch of them, Costa Rica and Netherlands and Peru and Jamaica. But all of them were, it was just like a one or two night retreat. And it was just pretty much come try this and be on your way. I didn't feel comfortable with that. And then I finally found one that it was a five-night retreat in Jamaica, and it had a four-week pre-program where you would meet the other participants and you would have Zoom calls, you would have one-on-one, there were like exercises you needed to do, journaling, that type thing. And then the actual retreat was in a natural setting. You know, you do a beach walk, there was a fire at night, there was ceremony involved in it. So I really liked that aspect of it. And then there was a six-week follow-up integration program. So I signed up, I paid the money and filled out the medical form. And then I had to do a a one-on-one call with a medical personnel within the retreat. And during that call, because one of the things I was concerned about, I had been on Cymbalta for six months. I just started it in October. I I traditionally do not like Western medicine, and I avoided doing that majority of my life. But I had a very stressful fall, and finally I just said, you know, i got to do something. And the Cymbalta took the edge off of my anxiety, but didn't cure it or didn't take it away. But then I had read that any SSRI or SNRI can affect your experience with psilocybin. So it was best to be off of it. So I weaned myself off with my psychiatrist over like a two or three week 
time period. And during the phone call with the other retreat, I had just mentioned that I have tinnitus. So she said, you may want to do more research on psilocybin with tinnitus. I'm like, okay. So next day, I just put that in the Google bar of uh, psilocybin and tinnitus and Eleusinia shows up. So I started researching through your whole website and wow, I was just blown away with the depth of information, the support, how it's just all encompassing. The other component I really liked was the podcast. And I felt I listened to every single one of them and felt there were like three people who I definitely resonated with and a couple where I thought they're telling my story. And so I then felt like I was in the right spot. And so I remember it was like, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, my husband's sleeping and and there was only one spot left in for the June retreat. And I just booked it right then and there and paid for it even before I canceled the other one and or discussing it with my husband. But the other thing I liked about this Eleusinia was I could bring my husband with me where the other retreat discouraged going with any family member. And they didn't explain why, but I think it's because they just want you to be able to concentrate and work on yourself and not have to caretake somebody else. But I like the fact with Eleusinia, the room, we had the best room, by the way, it was the same price, whether there was one or two people in the room. So I told my husband, Bert, I said, I think you should come along with me. I said, this retreat allows it. And I think this would be beneficial for both of us. So we rearranged our schedules and booked flights. And I probably only booked this four to five weeks out. And in between that time, my husband was diagnosed with throat cancer and kind of came as a shocker. And even when we got to the retreat, Tyler was talking to Bert and he said, wait a minute, you signed up for this retreat before you knew you had cancer? He said, usually we get people coming after they find out they had cancer. So we definitely then knew we were in the right spot and that we were clearly going to both benefit for both being there together. Wow, that's amazing. Was it difficult, Eliza, to cancel the other retreat or were they okay with you canceling? You know, they were they were good. I had just said that I felt I needed to be off the duloxetine a lot longer and they agreed and said, fine. There was a little glitch getting the money back, but I just got it. So all all is good there. And they were very receptive and were more wanting me to have a good experience. So that sounds positive. And so Bert was on board to go and as well. So you both were looking forward to this experience or were you having reservations? No, I was very excited. And in fact, I was his advocate when the first doctor we saw at the Cancer Institute, he didn't have the best bedside manner and he was very gruff and he wanted to have a procedure done, which would have been during the week of our retreat. And I kind of stood up for Bert and I just said to the doctor, can we do it the following week? I said, we're scheduled to be out of town. I didn't want to tell him why. He's 
the type of doctor who doesn't hear a lot. So <laughs> he wasn't too happy. Bob said, can I just talk to my wife for a minute briefly? And as the doctor was walking out the door, he said, delaying this by a week or two is not going to affect your prognosis. So it was then a no-brainer that we're going on this. And after all said and done, the retreat was so amazing. And I feel so much closer to my husband now. We've just had such a great connection, even though we had two totally different experiences. Mine I'll get into in a minute, but I had a lot of people come into me, but where Bert's was more just the hallucinations and the visuals. So he jokes with me, he goes, boy, you were really busy. Eliza, I, I want to just go back because you had mentioned that you were on the Cymbalta. So how did it go with this retreat as you weaned off the Cymbalta over the three weeks? period with your doctor, you were still able to have an experience. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, it was probably about 10 weeks between my last dose of Cymbalta and when I had the macrodose. Unfortunately, and I had a feeling this was going to happen, they said that you may need a booster because people who've been on an antidepressant, the psilocybin might not affect you. So it was kind of funny where Everybody, you tell us, once you start feeling it, to get up from underneath the pergola and then go to another area. So slowly, one by one, everybody's leaving and I'm still there. And you came over and said, let's get walking and drink some water. So we did that and then nothing was kicking in. So you said, all right, we're going to get you a booster. But it was kind of funny because at that point, I'm looking at the other guests and even at Bert and they were full on and it was just funny to see. So you finally came over with the booster, which I think was another four grams. And I would say once I had that, it hit me pretty quickly. And I had a lot of geometric shapes. I had laid down and I was just laying there with my eyes closed and things were just flying at me, the geometric shapes. So where I said before, I had a lot of people come in and it was people, deceased people, and then also living people. So my brother was the first one that came in and he, the first thing he said to me was, Eliza, you've got this. And he said, I'll be right here for you. So that gave me a great comfort. And then the next thing within these geometric shapes that were flying at me, I started to see the calaveras, the Mexican sugar skulls, candy skulls. And the first one that came in, it was kind of dark. And I'm like, no, like, I don't want you. But then the one thing Jessica said is just for today, say yes to everything. And then another one came in and then it was more colorful. And then I realized I'm like, oh, it's like Coco, the movie. These are my relatives. These are my ancestors. So I'm like, come on in. So then I started to see this black cowboy hat. And I'm like, what's this? I thought the only person I know who's worn a black cowboy hat was my aunt Charlie. And, and so I realized she was a very spiritual person. She had just passed about two months ago, and I knew she was going to be here with my journey. And I even asked her to come in. And so sure enough, her face pops in. She's just got this huge smile, and she's like, 
all right, Eliza, I'm with you. Let's go. And she just was my guide and she just kept bringing people in. So like she brought my mother in. So I dealt with that a little bit. So meanwhile, while all this was happening, how were you feeling emotionally? You were feeling calm and at peace and ready for the ride because you felt supported by your um, deceased uh, family members? Oh, yes, absolutely. And even even prior to drinking the tea, I didn't have any anxiety. I wasn't nervous because I felt so comfortable with all of you between Josefina and Emilio and you and Tyler and Jessica. I just felt so comfortable. I felt in good hands. I just didn't have a fear that day. And I was just like, bring it on, bring it in. I knew if something happened, you guys would be right there with me, taking care of me. And you did because I remember just being calm, but I think because I had the booster, I did start becoming very nauseous. And then at that point, someone else had come in and I opened up my eyes and I just had a very strong reaction to him. And he just reminded me of an ex-boyfriend from high school who was very abusive to me. And at that point, I started purging. And Jessica was there and she was holding my hair back and she was just like, let it go, let it go, let it out. It's okay. So it was very soothing. I just knew I was in the right place and getting the right care. And it was okay if I was throwing up. And I remember saying to Jessica, I don't know if I'm purging because of the psilocybin or is it because I just need to get some shit out. And and she goes, that's probably a little bit of both. Eliza, a quick question. You had mentioned that somebody reminded you of someone and you had like that rejection. Were you able to communicate that? Because that brings up a good point because people can often remind us of people who have indicated something significant in our life. So were you able to communicate that to that person or the staff to make sure that it didn't cause any more disruption to your experience? Yeah. So later in the afternoon, Jessica had come over and I did tell I had a very strong reaction to him. And I just said, it's not personal. I don't know you, but you just represented somebody Yeah, absolutely. I want people to know that we encourage your voice and your needs to be heard so that you're not with somebody that's making you uncomfortable. Yeah, I was able to acknowledge and realize that it's not this guy. I don't even know him. It's who we represented. And I felt very safe with them and talked to him the the rest of the retreat. I was able to let go of that. And again, back because I felt so safe and secure at the retreat and with you, with you all. So Yeah, it was kind of magical. Beautiful. So then did you stay in one location or were you moving to multiple locations? Well, I had laid down when I first did it. And then Jessica came over. Finally, you know, you guys were checking on me a lot. And finally, she's like, let's yeet you to another spot. And there was a little sofa area across the way from me. But I remember looking at it. You want me to walk over to there? And, but you stressed beforehand how important it it is to yeet, to move to another location. So I just pulled myself up and walked over to there then sat on that sofa then for the rest of the time. And then, so I know that a lot of your experience was people coming in. So who, who moved in next? 
a girlfriend from high school who died tragically. She was a nurse and was on a call for a multiple car accident out in Boulder, Colorado. And they took the helicopter there. And unfortunately, on the way back, the helicopter hit power lines and the helicopter went down and everybody was killed on board. And she was probably only like 24 or 25 years old. She came in right after my mom came in. She comes flying in. And, you know, as I said, she was a nurse and she always was protective. And so she took care of me. So that when she came in, she was like, I'm here. I'm going to take care of you. And she just stood by my side and just like a other weird little thing. Well, big thing that happened so she flew in, just like flew really fast in. And then my mom was there. And after my mom had passed in 99, and the morning after she passed, we were all sitting in our living room. And there was this big bay window and a uh, hummingbird came in. And that hummingbird stayed there long enough where someone said, oh, look at the hummingbird. And, and then one of my siblings said, oh, that's mom. And then since then, there's been other little things about hummingbirds with all of us. And so now whenever I see a hummingbird, it's, I think of my mother. All of a sudden, like when Leslie came in and my mom was there, there was just like a big flutter of feathers and flying around. My husband, Bert, had the flu in January and he had a hard time with it. He had a um, burst ear canal and, and it went on for several months and he went to an ENT and he finally sent him to an oncologist. I just feel... Because if it hadn't been for that flu and being at the ENT, they wouldn't have recognized the cancer. Because he didn't have any symptoms. It could have been months or a year down the road before he would have gotten help. So I just feel mom and Leslie came in and just said, you better go and get this checked out. Like something's going on. So that was just really kind of cool. The other person that came in was right after when I was purging and everything was very dark and gray and black and dark purple. And I was struggling at that point, just having a really hard time. And then all of a sudden, this gentleman walks in and I remember looking at him and I'm like, wow, I can't believe Shadow Johnson is here. He was my dad's best friend. And... His nickname was Shadow, and he was also my godfather. So he came in and felt like he stepped in through these shadows that I was seeing. And I just started laughing, thinking, I just can't believe Shadow was coming to me at this point when I'm in this dark shadow. He just passed maybe two years ago, and my dad passed seven years ago. And the first thing he says, he comes in and he goes, I've got your dad. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him. I'm taking care of him. He's good. He's doing good. So that was just like fun to have him come in. And then from there, the other people that started to come in were all living people. And it's all friends of where, like I've gone through a dark period of where I was very lonely and I didn't feel like I had any friends. And it all started about 10, 12 years ago. And I just, I had some really good friends or I thought they were good friends and they just ghosted me and I didn't understand why. And I thought, what's wrong with me? Why don't they like me? And I've worked with it with my therapist and 
I told her I was going on this retreat and she's like, all right, I don't know anything about it, but I will fully support you. And she said some of the things that I had heard was to ask yourself a question to see if you can find an answer. And so my question to myself was, what am I afraid of? That was the first one. But she helped me delve deeper into that. Okay, so what am I afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of rejection. Well, why are you afraid of rejection? Well, I don't feel like I'm loved. And then my therapist says, well, I don't think you love yourself. And I'm like, what? And I'd never thought of that before. And so I started thinking about that a lot and then realized, yeah, you know what? She's right. And I think I don't love myself because I never felt it growing up. So through this experience, then I felt the friends, they all came in to tell me that they love me. But the interesting thing about all of them was they were all laughing, 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 just having the best time. Even like Shadow's wife came in and she just had this big belly laugh. And then just some girlfriends from high school and we just kept laughing and laughing. And I realized I am blessed. I do have a lot of great friends and a lot of them I've reconnected with recently. One of my mantras I've come up with coming out of this is follow the light. Like a lot of my geometric shapes were pinks and yellows and oranges and white. And my Aunt Charlie and my mom, when they came in, it was all white. And even when Josephina came over at one point, she was just brushing my hair and then she put her hand on my cheek. Then I put my hand on her hand because I didn't want her to move it because it felt like my mother's loving touch. So my mantra was, follow the light, follow the love. I want to get that little sign printed up. And just as a reminder to me, I do have a lot of good friends and we love to laugh and they love me. So just follow that light. Eliza, I love your story. There's two really beautiful dimensions to it. Like the veil was really thin between you and the spirit world. And you felt so much love come in from these very particular people with these very particular messages. And I even remember at one point you were on the couch and the wind came and I'll let you tell the story. Yeah. So I'm sitting there on the couch and I had to have my eyes closed all the time because once I opened my eyes, I just got more nauseous. So I'm just laying there and there's such a beautiful breeze that comes through the whole resort. So I'm laying there and I feel this breeze kind of a little bit stronger one picked up. And I had this thought of with my girlfriend, Leslie, when we were younger, we used to go sailing together on a little sunfish. And we, so I had this vision of us sitting on the sunfish sailing. And then all of a sudden I hear Leslie say, Eliza, open your eyes. And as soon as I open my eyes, I see the umbrella falling from that wind gust and it would have hit me. And so I was able to just grab the pole and stop it. And I turned and I saw you there and you saw me grab the pole. So you came over and helped me. So I absolutely felt, you know, Leslie was right there with me the whole time. And again, protecting me. Yeah, that is so, so beautiful. Such a beautiful little story. And then like the veil was thin for you to be able to understand how loved and supported you are. And like with joy and a bubble of joy of all of these people's 
laughter and joy. So what a beautiful, beautiful message. And so at the end of the day, when you reconvene, we're able to communicate a little bit with Bert and you, your experiences were so different. How did you feel about that time at the end of that day? So it was probably, you know, three or four hours in. I was still very nauseous, but just sitting on the sofa there and Bert had walked by to go to the bathroom. And then when he came back out, I was like, hey, you want to come sit with me? And we were just both so loving to each other at that point. And I, I just wanted to hold them and didn't want to let them go. And so we just started ex sharing our experiences. But it was just so incredible to have him there. I would have been so upset if, if he hadn't come along because I think he got a lot out of this and I got a lot out of it. And then we both came together and got a lot out of it together. That is so incredible. And so did for the rest of the retreat, did your other experiences catalyze and stack on top of that one experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the DMT we did the next day and I loved that and was more excited to do that because I was told that I would not have any of the nausea. So I knew I could just put that aside and not worry about it. And with that one, I had, you know, Josefina and Jessica were there and they were each holding my hand. And it was, it was just amazing. I, you know, I told Jessica later, I said, Josefina was my constant. I never let go of her hand, but Jessica was my strength. She knew when to like hold on tight with my hand. And I remember there were times where I loosened up with Jessica, but I kept just like tapping her finger just to make sure I knew I was still there. But what was amazing on the DMT experience was that my mother came very strongly and Josephina put a washcloth over my eyes at one point and I just started processing the disappointment of not feeling loved growing up. So I started crying and my mom was just telling me that she does love me. I just remember at one point I got angry and it was just like, ugh, you know, because I had a lot of anger towards my mom. And then I just felt this need to arch my back and I was just pushing my chest up. And I had talked to you about it after the one-on-one -on -one integration and you had even said it was like me breaking that chain or getting that off of my chest, that pain that I think I've been carrying around my whole life. So that was just beautiful to be able to sit in that moment of just releasing and just letting it go. And then I just had this just warm, fuzzy feeling and all the colors were just pink and orange. And oh, and the other thing with that was really cute. We had the best cat. He was just so cool. His name was Carlos and he passed away in December and he came in during the DMT. And I felt like he was my little Sherpa guiding me through the tea. And then it was so funny, even at one point, because we've always said that he, he's the, a cat dog. He acts more like a dog, but he was just always the coolest cat. And everybody said that. And he comes in at one point and he's got sunglasses on. So it was just so funny. So I love the DMT. And then the next day we did the mini dose. I was a little nervous on the nausea, but I did okay. That experience didn't last as long. You know, it was probably... 
hour and a half, two hours where I just sat by myself and processed things. You know, every single time I've done psychedelic, I get the calaveras, the sugar skulls. I never put the headphones on for the music. I tried once and I didn't like the music, but I didn't have my music with me. So then there was music playing. So I went near that. It was near our bedroom. So I just sat there and was listening to it. And it was songs I knew, but it was all acoustic. And I just really got into the music. And then finally, because Bert and I, we go, we go to a lot of concerts. Music's very important in our life. And so I was like, I want to, like, where's Bert? I want to go hang out with him. So I found him over on another sofa area and I asked him if I could join him. And he said, come on in. And he had his AirPods on. I finally went and got mine. And so I was just listening to a lot of reggae and Lake Street Dive, Mount Joy, kind of just really cool, soothing music. Well, then Bert figured out, he connected our AirPods to be on the same music. So then we're listening to the music together and we're just hanging out, chill, watching the hill on the other side, listening to music and just being very close and affectionate with each other. And then we put on this guy, his name is Michael Franti. And every single song is positive. It's about love and sunshine and friendship and if you're ever in a bad mood, put on some Michael Franti and you just can't help yourself. So then I turned to Bob, I'm like, you want to dance? So we started dancing in the grass there. And I mean, we were probably out there over an hour. Everybody else was slowly going in and getting changed. And, but we just kept dancing and just had the best time and just felt very connected to each other. From there, we went on the hike to go watch the sunset, which was very beautiful to be able to connect with all the other guests at that point, because we're all kind of in that la-la loving feeling. And then to go and watch the sunset and see all these beautiful flowers along the way and a little waterfall and overlook the lake. It just, just was a beautiful way to end the retreat on the last day. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. So, and then how has it been coming home and like dealing with your sensitivity to the nausea issues? How have you been exploring and seeing how a practice can work for you? Yeah. So about five days ago, I did another mini dose of two grams. I did okay. It probably lasted about two hours, like the full effect of it. But then for like the next two to three hours, just felt that glow. And I was able to drink a smoothie shake and some crackers. But then like an hour after that, I started getting nauseous again. So maybe that was just part of my learning experience that I just probably tried to do too much too quickly. And just to really step back and you had suggested, you know, just trying to do crackers and maybe ginger ale or Coca-Cola to try to help settle my stomach instead. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting to navigate how you do and on what dose is just right without causing too much discomfort. So I'm so excited to hear how that continues to go. Did you guys feel more connected as you settled in at home between you and Bert? Oh, absolutely. And especially with what's going to happen over the next 
several months, it's going to be a tough road for Bert. But I am fully vested to be right there with him. I think we're both going into this cancer treatment with the best mindset and that we are both on the same page. And I mean, I know it's not going to be easy. I mean, one of the nurses said, he's not going to like you because you're going to try to make him eat. And so he's not going to like you. But I just think now, like, I, I just can't imagine having to go through his treatment. I couldn't imagine how we would be dealing if we hadn't gone on this retreat together. I think that was the most important part was that we did this together and we both got a tremendous amount out of it. So I feel like we're just very connected and strong emotionally. And oh, wow, Eliza, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was so beautiful. I'm so grateful to have met the both of you. And uh, I just wish you guys so many blessings on the path forward and so much strength and resilience and more of that love and laughter. Your story was just so beautiful. So thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you. I was happy to be here. And I, I just hope someone else can resonate with my story and join your retreat because it really, you truly all have a unique gift and are so incredibly helpful. So thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find all the information that you need to learn everything about this retreat on EleusiniaRetreat.com. We are a retreat that offers ongoing integration support, breathwork classes, and cultivation support after you have attended this retreat. It's an amazing experience that's one of its kind. If you're looking for a science-based retreat, something out of the box, something to change your life, something to add to your practice, this is where you really need to start, EleusiniaRetreat.com.